All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 152. I'm pretty sure you know what we're going to be talking about on this show. It has been a rough few days for your boy Clips. That Clipper curse obviously still lives on. We're going to talk about what went wrong in this series and what does this mean moving forward for the Los Angeles Clippers. Denver, Laker, matchup. We're going to break down that series and how good is Miami. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like Ludi us. I do have something to say. So you got to give it up. Give it up. You never heard What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Nugs and Drew. <laughs> you changed your name? The True Players Podcast. Well, they own me. They own me right now, Drew. The Nuggets own yeah. me. So you might as well take my namesake this week, okay? <laughs> I love that. That's I really know you fun. do. I'm sure it's a lot funny. of people do. This is a tough podcast for me, bro. I've been dreading this for, for the past <laughs> two days. I actually contemplated yesterday not doing podcasting anymore i it's had shutting it down i would th- i thought about the retirement you know i thought about <laughs> you know what if i wanted to go for a real job and like sell life insurance in wisconsin or something maybe go <laughs> sell cars you know and yeah. the past 36 hours has been extremely rough for me drew um i shut down from the world cut you guys off cut everybody off cut off social media i think that was uh pretty expected from me my parents haven't even called me yet because they know my sister hasn't called me she knows i i turned off the phone i had 233 text messages and dms which i didn't i have i deleted them all i didn't want to look at any one of them and i'm sure all of them weren't bad you know i'm sure there were people. no i'm sure they weren't uh but yeah i walked on the beach yesterday uh, I looked like a man, like from a Viagra commercial, contemplating. Yeah, right, 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 totally. That's wonder, funny. Wondering just where I went wrong this year, you know. <laughs> and you know, all jokes aside, Drew, I, I, I was, re- I'm really disappointed. But I've been here before. Like I was, this is not shocking to me. I went through 17 different emotions the other night. I was like multiple personality. I was extremely angry. I was disappointed. I was embarrassed. Um, I, at one point, psychotically was laughing, okay, to myself, <laughs> by myself in my house, psychotic, bro. Um, you know, so, we, hold on, before I, before you just start jumping in, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning of, of game seven. I know our last pod, you were already kind of down on, on this game seven and the potential I mean, I, I think you still had some belief in your squad, but it just all the momentum was, was going with Denver. So as you get ready to watch game seven, like, are you just, were you chilling at your house? Did you watch it? You watch it alone in the house? Of course. In your of man course. chair uh-huh. with, the, with the shorts on and everything? My, I switched the shorts to my, oh. to my, it, it, I switched them because it, was, okay. it, it wasn't a good feeling the game before. And you had hit me up prior to the game and saying, how am I feeling about the game? And I, was not feeling it. I had hope, but just the way that, that this is, you know, being down three, one and them coming back all, and we have no answer for, for Jokic and Murray's just been, the whole team's been playing with so much freedom because they have nothing to lose everything. All the pressure was on the Clippers and we're waiting for like this 
miraculous game from Lou Williams or Montrez Harrell or, you know, oh, it's game seven, it's Kawhi time. You know, as a Clipper fan that's been through this before, I had absolutely no hope. You know, I just felt that it wasn't going to happen. So already deep inside, I already felt like I was preparing for what was coming next, right? Yeah. And do you think the Clippers had that kind of similar attitude? Like the players in the organization had that similar attitude? It seemed that way. It seemed like we had that, that there was no um, back against the wall mentality whatsoever. Paul George, and I'm going to talk about Paul George a lot here in a second, um, saying that we're still in the driver's seat, you know, game seven. Bullshit. Okay. Let's be real. And even Doc saying, you know, they don't need a rah-rah speech from me. They know what, they know what time it is, blah. You know, no, they need a rah-rah speech from you. We got, you know, they have to understand the magnitude of this game and how important it is. Look, man, if you're not going to do it for yourselves, do it for the fans that have stuck with you forever. You know, there is, there is a group of us. There's not a lot of diehards. There is, you know, a few hundred of us that live or die by what the Clippers do. And we have so much expectations for this series. And for, we needed one game, Drew. Just making it to the Western Conference Finals would have been enough for me. Give me the Clippers-Lakers. Let me lose to the Lakers if we're right. going to lose. Okay? And, yeah, you know, we can make excuses like it's the bubble. You know, this season really doesn't freaking matter. It does matter. It matters to everybody. So to your, to your question, no, I don't think we were taking this seriously. I don't think we were taking it seriously when Lou Williams goes to the fucking strip club. Right. Okay? Bingo. I think it starts with that. And we don't know who Kawhi is as a leader, like vocally. We've, we've mentioned this before because we don't really see it on the court. Um, we don't know who, what he's like in the locker room. I definitely didn't see any vocal leadership from Paul George. I mean, I see it from, from Pat Bev and, and Montrez because that's their, that's their makeup. But I, I wanna, this, is, this is how I can lay it out here for everybody listening and how I feel, okay? And this might be funny to, to a few people, but this is, this is real. I want to compare this to like being in a 30 year relationship with a woman. Okay. It's like we met in elementary school. We fell in love in junior high school. We got married right out of, I'm sorry. We, we, we met in elementary school, fell in love in middle school, got married after high school. Okay. And we've been in this relationship our whole life. And this woman just cheats on you, disrespects you and, you know, <laughs> keeps disappointing you, but you keep going back, you know, you keep going back because you love her so much. And at this point in your life, what else are you going to do? You can't, you can't go out and get a new woman right now. You're too old. You already have a couple kids. You know what I'm saying? But you keep yeah, taking yeah. her back because you love her so much. And it gets to the point, Drew, where uh, it sucks that this is what I expected to happen with the Clippers, even with two perennial all-stars. And one that's you know, considered the best player in the NBA both of which did not show up in, ga in game seven. 24 points is some bullshit, Drew. So let me, let me get your take on what you think actually went wrong in this game. We know like the momentum leading to this game seven was not great for the Clippers. It was all heavy nuggets. I mean, the, the two comeback wins in a row. What do you think happened in particular in this game seven that led to such a catastrophe of a second half? I mean, we can't guard a pick and roll to save our life. Jokic murders us. Uh, everybody that says this is all Doc's fault is bullshit because Doc isn't playing in the game, okay? Doc is a great coach. Everybody likes Doc Rivers. Uh, he's not playing in the game. 
everybody that says, oh, you know, why is Montrez Harrell in the game guarding Jokic? Well, he's our backup center. That's what we have. Unless you want Noah to come in or Pat Patterson, you know, and Montrez, who's on a contract year, who had a horrible, horrible playoff. An, an, a, sorry, I don't want to say horrible, but a non-Montrez Harrell type performance at all. We got outplayed by a better team. That's exactly what it was. And I want to give kudos to, to the Denver Nuggets. And their one fan that I know, Chene, and I know he's listening to this show. And it's amazing how many more Denver Nuggets fans there are right now, right? But they're, they were a better team. They have the best center in the NBA that can do absolutely everything. Jamal Murray is, is you know, obviously uh, going to be a superstar in this league. They have all the pieces in Jeremy Grant and uh, Gary Harris and, you know, even Michael Porter Jr. coming in and getting buckets. They just outplayed us. And I just thought, and you know I like saying this, our energy and effort was not there. And it's so disappointing that it wasn't. Like, what else do you want, you know? And Paul George, after that game, was so nonchalant about losing, okay, and saying that, you know, going into this season, we didn't think it was championship or bust mentality. Well, then what the fuck are you playing basketball for? If you're not playing to win a championship every year, no matter what team you're on, Sacramento Kings, New York Knicks, Los Angeles Clippers, if you're not playing to win for a championship, then why the fuck are you playing? And guess what, Paul? I love you, dog, but we gave up our whole future to get you on our team and to give us that sorry-ass output in game seven after you were talking a lot of shit in round one, you know, you and Dame go at it, and you don't back it up at all. Yeah, you had a couple good games. And Kawhi, you played great the whole playoffs, and then game seven, it's not you're not showing up. And Lou Williams, where are you at? All the guys that we uh, count on to get us buckets – didn't show up. So do we do, we don't deserve to be in the Western Conference Finals. Denver does. They definitely do. So after these 36 hours and contemplating retirement from podcasting and wanting to, you know, switch teams, that will never happen. I'm Clipper Nation. Uh, you know, when you compare it to heartbreak from like a, like a girlfriend, like I've had my heart broken once, right? And that shit hurt. And I kind of felt like that yesterday. Like I was really empty. Mm -hmm. And the one, the one thing that's different is that in basketball, there's always another season with a girlfriend that breaks up with you. There's no more seasons after that. Normally, <laughs> right, There might right. be a half a season, you know what I mean? Sure. Or an exhibition yeah, yeah. game a couple times, but there's not <laughs> another season. Yeah. Um, so like we do every year and for the Clipper fans that are listening, we're going to come back at it next year. And we're going to hopefully do this again. Do I think things would be different if we were playing in front of home crowds? Yeah, I do. You know, I think the, the intensity level might be a little bit higher. But these are the circumstances for the 2020 season, and we didn't show up to play. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think, I think the thing that was most shocking in this game wasn't, you know, the weird energy. It wasn't the lack of output from, you know, Lou Williams or Paul George. It was the, the lack of dominance that Kawhi Leonard displayed, especially when we know that he, we've seen him do this. We, we've seen in game sevens or in, you know, elimination games as, as recently as last year. That's when he really did shine and step up and perform. And it was very different in this game. And not only did he not step up and, you know, hit those big shots, but he also looked very hesitant at times and not 
confident in his ability. And if there's one thing that Kawhi is, we know that, you know, he's pretty even keel emotionally, never gets too high or too low, never, you know, seems to get angry at anybody. But in this one, it almost felt like there was just a lack of urgency as opposed to before when you get that out of him, it's like, oh, he's locked in. It's the Terminator mentality. Today, it was like, you know, the, the Terminator was unplugged or ran out of batteries or something. And that to me was the biggest surprise, right? Because I think the fact that there was no home court advantage in this, I think, like you, like you mentioned, that's a, that was a big thing. Um, and there was a lot of stories after the game came out about the Clippers being fatigued, but it they could not have been more fatigued than Denver, who just had to do this, you know. So, I mean, the fatigue thing, I can understand. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of games happening, you know, very quickly, but everyone is having to deal with that. It's not just the Clippers that have to deal with the, with the fatigue and the lack of home court advantage. Now, it's a cop-out, Drew. It's a cop-out to say that, 100%. Exactly. Um, so I do think, you know, as far as Kawhi goes – not only on the scoring end, but allowing him, you know, Pat Bev, Paul George, whoever was guarding Murray to just go off and, and, and drop 40 in one of the biggest games, like his biggest game of his career. Uh, so that, you know, obviously what Jokic did on the rebounds and the assists and, and you know, hitting big shots, that was really incredible to watch. But I, I am I'm definitely surprised at that second half. It, it, it almost felt like, you know, the game was close in the first half and the second half started almost felt like the Clippers were like waiting for Denver to just take the lead and just run. And then when they did, it was like, okay, this is it. This is kind of what we're doing where I think we're going to go home. There was never a moment from the third quarter on where I felt that the Clippers were actually going to get back in that game and win. And that's, that's bad. And I do think that has to come down to coaching on some level, right? They are professionals. A lot of these guys have been playing in big games and big playoff moments. But you got to if, – if you're seeing your team be flat, you got to light a fire under them somehow, you know. It doesn't have to be some big rah-rah speech, but you got to be able to kind of push the buttons on the guys that you need to to make sure you're getting the effort, the energy level to compete. And there just wasn't – that's, I think, the, the, the most surprising and the, and the saddest part about that is that it didn't seem like the Clippers were even trying to compete in that, in that last half of that game. I, so, to- I totally agree with you. I do have a couple questions. I know that, you know, as, as some of our, our listeners and followers on Instagram might know, you did go dark. It was, it was okay to, you know, you had to cut the wire there for a second, go off the grid. Um, so I did have a couple questions that I posed. Well, let me, let me say something quick though. Sure. Let me yeah. Say something quick. You did a damn good job taking over the page for, for, for <laughs> almost 48 hours, Drew. You did it. You did a good job when I checked in. Yeah, um, thanks. I appreciate know, that. Well, you did well. Your story game could have been a little better, but that's okay. Yeah. I, you okay. know, I was just trying to post whatever I thought was relevant without constantly taking jabs at the Clippers because that was a lot of the content that I was seeing was just mm-hmm. making fun of the Clippers constantly. And I didn't want to just pour that on to, to everybody and, and to our, our Clipper loyal fans yeah, that we have. Yeah, but we do. We cannot be biased. You know, and so I, of- I post some. I, I yep. post a couple because it right, was no, it was it. necessary. Totally, I get it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Uh, but I did. I did want to ask you these same questions because I thought it was really important questions uh, for Clippers fans as as to where they think the direction of the club should go. So the first question is, do you want to fire Doc Rivers? No, absolutely not. I don't. I I, I find it. I mean, everybody. 
everybody wants to blame somebody, right? And normally it's always the coach. But there's I love Doc Rivers, and everybody within the bubble knows how valuable Doc Rivers is, right? Um, I think it takes a special coach to manage these kind of personalities, and the Clippers have a lot of personalities on this squad, and especially like everything that we dealt with in the bubble, you know, with Lou Williams, with Montrez, with the everything that's going on in society, you know, the fact that the Clippers and Lakers were both adamant on leaving before that, you know, after that meeting. Um, no, I don't think there's a better person to coach the Los Angeles Clippers. I know I heard some like maybe with Popovich or something like that. I don't, I think we need uh, another chance, you know, with this squad going into next season no. So I'm with no. I want to keep Doc Rivers. What do you think? You know, I think there's a case to be made for firing Doc Rivers. I would say that I still think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. But the sheer fact that he is the only head coach to ever have three, <laughs> three one leads be blown, there's something there, right? There's something about that you know, and two have been with this, with this Clipper organization. So not only did you forgive him once five years ago, but now the team is significantly better than it was then, I think, and maybe not significantly, but certainly a better team this year than it was in 2015. And then the same exact thing happens. You know, I think there needs to, that needs to be addressed, uh, whether or not you have to fire him. There has to be a conversation about that. And Doc has to at least look internally and then vocalize externally how he's going to try and change that situation. Because now anytime that he's a coach and they're up 3-1, that stat's going to be mentioned. Not only by every media member, but a lot of the players are probably going to have that in their mind. I know Doc is going to have that in his mind every time he's up 3-1. Anyway, I, I don't know if, it, if he needs to be fired because I don't think that there's necessarily a better option to bring in. Uh, but I do think it's a conversation. I'm, 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 and there will be. And that stat is a real stat. I mean, shit, that is absolutely, positively horrible. But also, the bottom line is, if Kawhi wants Doc back, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I, I just don't think everything lies on, on Doc. I mean, like we just said, the players are the ones that play the game, and a lot, a lot of players did not show up. That actually leads me to the next question that I have for you, is mm -hmm. about the roster. Mm -hmm. Knowing what we know now, and given everything that just happened, do you wish – that you would have kept Danilo and Shea and all those picks instead of trading for Paul George, are you happy that you have Paul? So a lot of people ask me this question. They, I've been asked this a lot, and not just recently, like throughout the season. And if you go back and listen to a lot of our podcasts, I always wanted to keep Danilo and Shea. I wanted them. I wanted them to stay. If we could have just inserted Kawhi Leonard with that squad, I think we would be in a better situation. I do. I think we'd be a better team, right? But the only way we get Kawhi is if we get Paul George. So if it takes giving, giving away, I don't, I don't think we, I think Sam Presti got us for way too much. I think we could have negotiated better and kept a few of those picks. I hated the fact that we had to get rid of Shea because he would, that, that's what we were lacking in this series was a, was a true point guard, which he is. Um, but in order to get Kawhi, if, if that's what it takes to get Paul to get Kawhi as Paul George, then we have to do it. Um, I mean, last, last season's playoff run against Golden State with our team, there was so much heart, so much effort, so much grit and grind, and I loved that squad. 
And if we, if we inserted Kawhi into that team, then yeah, man, that'd be great. But we don't get Kawhi without Paul George. So no, I think you're right. I think, I do think Kawhi was the one that commanded that situation. So as much as, you know, Clipper fans may be like, well, why did we, why did we do that? We could have just, no, I don't think, I don't think, I think you're right. I think the only way to get Kawhi was, was to make that package deal happen. Uh, but I do think also, you know, what, if, what did you give him? Five picks? I mean, fuck. Just drop that down to three. <laughs> or the whole thing. You just try and do something or at least get a couple picks coming back your way, you know, <laughs> some, something. Um, but yeah, I do think when you, when you're staring at a league that needs that, a, 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 an NBA league that, you know, requires at least two superstars to get you over the hump, you got to do it. You have to try it. Um, and I think Paul George and Kawhi both let you down in this game, but Paul George is, is definitely going to have to come back with some vengeance next year. And, and who knows, this could be the motivation that you need. I don't know, um, Drew. I mean, he never shows up in the playoffs. It's, it's been known, <laughs> you know? And I hate ripping on, on my Clippers, but fucking pandemic P is a real thing, dude. And the dude, fact, the fact side that side backboard P bro, no. that, that old man, that pinball off the, off the corner of the backboard. <laughs> you know what, man, this is, you know what, dude, I would rather, I would rather see, you know how everybody made fun of Embiid when he cried, when he came off the court, that's oh, what right. I want to see. You know, I don't want to hear it's not championship or bust for the Clippers. I want to see Paul George crying and going to the going to the podium and saying, you know what? I was horrible. I played really bad in this series. It's on my shoulders. My bad. You know, I don't want to hear excuses. So MB crying off the court, I'd rather have than this these bullshit excuses that we're getting. And yes, I expect a lot out of you, both of you next year. And again, Kawhi played great all season, and I'm so happy we have him. I'm happy we have Paul George, but I need more from Paul. I need way – and I, Paul needs more from Paul. And then the last question, um, as far as next year goes, uh, you do have a couple free agents. Um, I think you have Trez, you have Morris and, uh, and Green, mm-hmm. um, Jermichael Green are all free agents. Do you think that you should run it back, just try and re-sign everybody that you can and start it over again? Or do you want to maybe consider letting Trez go, letting Marcus Morris go, or, you know, obviously, you know, possibly trading Paul George, things like that. Would you rather see some adjustments or do you want to just lock in the squad and re-up and, and do it one more time? I think we have all the pieces that we need to win a championship. I do. Loved, loved how Jermichael played all season. Um, I love how Trez played all season, minus minus these playoffs. And yes, he went. Th- he was out of the bubble for 30 days. He went through a lot of shit, dark dark place. He went, and he's still dealing with that now. I don't think we had Trez fully there with our squad. I think we need to see what's out there, you know. Or you know, I liked Morris a lot. I would like to bring all three of them back, but I think we have to explore if Montrez is going to be looking for a hundred million dollars. I don't think we, we, we can do that, you know, especially at an undersized center. We're seeing that, you know, fans love Trez. I think if the price is right, yeah, we got We got to retain him. And I think he, he would choose the Clippers over a lot of other teams based on the fact his relationship with Pat Beverly and with Lou and with doc and our organization, giving him the chance that he needed to thrive. Um, but I think we can keep Jermichael for cheap and, I think Morris is going to command a little more money than, and I think he would go elsewhere for more money, 
you know? Yeah. Uh, I, but I liked him. I liked him a lot. So I think we should explore, definitely explore. And I think we need to explore the point guard position. That's what we need to explore. I think you're right. I think, I think if you can keep Trez and, and Green and Morris, I think those guys are all solid. I think Morris played his ass off in a contract year, and especially in these playoffs. He was, he, he was hustling, bro. And we don't necessarily always consider Morris to be a hustler. Either one uh, of the Morrises. Yeah, and he was grinding out. I mean, he knew it was, he, it was a contract year. Uh, I think he is going to get a decent offer from somebody, and I don't know if you'll be able to keep him. Same thing with Trez, but I do think you should try to keep at least one of them, right? If, if you can't keep both, then, then try and hold on to the cheapest option for both. Um, but I, I do I, – I think the point guard point that you made was – was really valid. There's a reason that you guys drafted Shea Gilgis Alexander. And it's because, yes, he was good, but was also a need for the team. You need a point guard. And, you know, while we really can appreciate Pat Bev's, you know, unbelievable defense and effort and energy, his lack of offense is, you know, pretty glaring at times. And then, honestly, the same thing goes for Lou Williams. And in this series, it was even worse for Lou because normally his offense makes up for Pat Bev's. But in this series, he was not there offensively, and he's a zero defensively. So that, I think, is the position that you do need to address. If you can maintain some of these power forwards like we're talking about, keep one or two, that's, a, that's, that's something I do think you need to explore. And, and I, you know, keeping one Pat Bev or one you know, Lou Williams I think is a good option. But having both, I don't know if that's a good fit. Again, I think the Clippers will be very proactive on looking at other options. I think Pat – is big for our squad. I think he had, he, this is his best shooting year ever that he's had shot way better from the three. Um, you can't measure what he brings on defense and in the locker room. And those are guys that, that you need. Um, I mean, Lou Williams is coming up on his, what is 17th year. I mean, how many yeah. years has he been in the NBA? And I, I still think he's a valuable offensive player for us. So that goes back to like your first question. I'd, I'd want to keep this squad again, but Let's explore. I mean, there has to be something better than what we currently have. And, you know, Lou Will is a three-time, could have been four-time, six-man of the year. So there is value in that. And a lot of teams would love to have Lou Williams on, on their team. The Lakers would love to have Lou Williams on their team. Actually, they had him. What am I saying? Yeah, you did have Lou Williams for a minute. So it's going to be a crazy offseason for us. And I hopefully, hopefully we're starting now. The good thing is the NBA is going to be starting in three months, most likely. Um, we don't know that actual date, but um, I'm interested to see what kind of money Montrez is going to command or, and what his value is, especially going off of what happened in these playoffs, you know? Yeah. I don't know if every team is going to be that hyped on Montrez, right? Because he is a unique player uh, that needs a pretty unique system in order for him to flourish. But I do think that there's several teams out there that identify him as you know, a possible game changer. I mean, look, if Portland had Trez, you know, that he would be amazing there. I, we don't need to go down the list, but there's, there's certainly teams that could use what he brings to the table without a doubt. Um, all right. So, you know, I, I want to kind of give you some, an opportunity to say like your final piece, maybe a, a farewell to the Clippers 2020 season. Um, and then we can maybe move on to the, to the Nuggets and the Lakers um, and, then, and then talk a little bit about what we think that matchup's going to look like. All right, so you want, you want me to say farewell to my 2020 season. That's what you want me to say, Drew? Well, so you can just kind of wrap it up if you want to. Um, I'll say this, guys, to the Clipper fans out there. We've been here before. 
at least we have a superstar on our team. It's, it's, it's different this year because normally we have very low expectations. Just getting to the playoffs is something that we take, uh, you know, with great joy making it to the playoffs. It's harder when you have high expectations like this season, um, knowing that you have championship quality team and falling short yet again. I don't believe in a Clipper curse. I don't, even though I have the book and everybody wants to talk about a curse yet again, they want to talk, place blame on something, right? Um, we have everything in place to win a championship from top to bottom management to coaches, to players. The bottom line is we didn't show up. We didn't play. Um, and that's the hard thing about this because we expected so much more, but like my analogy earlier about getting your heart broke, there will be another season. And hopefully next season will be completely different from what 2020 has given us. And I will say this. I'm going to root for the Lakers, okay? For the first time in my life. I'm what? going to I'm gonna, they, you know what, dude? If the Clippers can't win it, I want somebody I want the Lakers to win it for Kobe. Okay? I want the I want the Lakers to win it for Kobe. And, uh, you know, I don't have any emotional stake in any of this, right? Like, a, a clip, most Clipper fans are going to be rooting for Denver, right? Because if Denver beats the Lakers, then it's kind of like we're on the same page. Like, oh, shit, you lost two to Denver, and the Clipper fans will come with all the memes and all that shit. I'm not thinking like that right now. I'm thinking, like, if anybody should win it, it should be the Lakers and winning it for Kobe. Um, I think it's the only thing – uh, that would be right coming out of this. I would have much rather seen Clippers and Lakers like everybody else in the Western Conference Finals. Um, but as as hard as it is to say, that's who I'm going to be going for. And for the fact that I do love LeBron, I speak very highly about LeBron. LeBron getting one more t- uh, championship to make it four um, will be great for his legacy that we talk about all the time. It'll be great for all the great shit I talk about, Kobe, about LeBron being the GOAT. And like my boy Air Mag has said before, it'll make Laker fans have to give LeBron love because you guys still aren't there yet. Like if you don't win this this season, you're still going to be like, oh, man, see, LeBron never believed in you. Yeah, you have a very valid point there. I I am very upset that the Clippers uh, let this happen and and we're, we're losing out on something that you and I have keyed in on the entire fucking year. Our whole brand, our whole brand relied on this, Drew. It was, it's brutal. So I'm, I'm, I was rooting for the Clippers and, and normally that's not the case, but I, I wanted them to win so badly in game seven uh, that I felt, you know, a, a small portion of your pain. Uh, because, dude, we've been literally uh, over a year ago, we started talking about the Clippers and Lakers in the Western Conference Finals because we knew this was going to be the two best teams in the West. So I'm upset about that, but we're going to move past it. There's always next year, like you said. Mm-hmm. And we'll hopefully have the opportunity to beat you next year in the playoffs. Um, you mentioned something really, really, I think, important and, and the people wanting the Lakers to win for Kobe. I do think the passing of Kobe, I think, is going to lead a lot of people that aren't necessarily invested in this season, a lot of fans to lean into Lakers more so than maybe ever, because I know the Lakers, we have a very large fan base, but we're also one of the most hated, uh, you know, franchises out there because of success. It always comes you know, that way. You know, San Antonio, people hate them for winning. Uh, 
the Patriots, people hate them for winning the Yankees, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, But I do think this year in particular, it it might be a little different. And it's odd because none of that's going to matter, right? We're not going to be at home. We're not going to be away. Uh, We're all going to be in Orlando. But I do think there's something to to be said uh, about the way the media is going to cover this um, and and about the way that these players are going to go about this, especially for the Lakers, that Kobe is very much in their minds and their hearts as they're trying to win this. But there is one thing that I wanted to bring up that I that caught my eye yesterday. LeBron and Kobe have a very similar trajectory to this particular season. Uh, if you take it back to Kobe's fourth title, uh, which was in 2009, he defeated the Rockets in the second round. LeBron in this year defeated the Rockets in the second round. Kobe had to beat the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. LeBron's going to have to do that in order to get to the finals this year. And they win their championship in Orlando. Le- LeBron obviously would be there because of the bubble. Nice. Kobe, Kobe was there because Orlando was the actual team that, that they were playing against. But, you know, that, that, that's like a really weird similarity for both, especially both being the fourth championship. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think any of the stuff that I just mentioned and those similarities is going to necessarily matter for LeBron. But the idea of Kobe and winning one for him is definitely going to be something that that is talked about and probably felt throughout the locker room. Well, I, you know, to to go off of that, Drew, everybody that's left in these finals are all protégés of Kobe. Jason Tatum, Jamal Murray, all these guys who idolized Kobe went to the Mamba Academy. LeBron, you know, um, I know Jimmy Butler had mad respect for Kobe and uh, admired him a lot, but we're seeing that, you know, Kobe's game is, is in a lot of these upcoming superstars. We're seeing it with Tatum and we're seeing it with, uh, with Jamal Murray. And we've already seen it with LeBron. Um, I do think the matchup is going to be better um, than it was for the Clippers with the Lakers. I mean, Denver and the Lakers is going to be, it's not going to be easy, especially the way these guys are playing right now. Uh, the, the Jokic is in, in AD, that battle is going to be interesting to watch. You know, and again, we haven't spoken enough about it. And I just want to say one more thing is like Jokic and Jamal Murray are phenomenal. They are really, really good players. It's not a fluke that Jamal dropped 40 and it's not a fluke that uh, Jokic played so well in these playoffs. They are just two really amazing players. And Denver's going to be in these in these future Western Conference playoffs, Western Conference finals for years to come if they can keep this going. But what is your take on this matchup? with the Lakers in Denver? You know, I think, honestly, this is coming down to patterns. And I know this is going to sound a little off the wall, but if you look at the way, uh, you know, the last two rounds have gone for both of these teams, I hope Denver wins game one. And I hope that, that I hope the Lakers can somehow um, avoid uh, going up 3-1. Uh, so there's two things that I want to avoid, right? I want, I want Denver to win game one because that's, that's the routine that we've gone through. And after that, we should win every single game. However, it does mean that we end up going up 3-1, and that's a very dangerous thing for us to do against this Nuggets team. You know, I, I don't want it to be a 3-1, either a clean sweep, but no no 3-1 so that Denver doesn't get this motivation back behind them. Or uh, maybe, or maybe Drew, you might catch a super-gassed Denver Nuggets. You know I would what love I mean? a sweep. I would love a sweep. <laughs> uh, that would be amazing. I don't see that happening. So you're, I think you're, you're, you're right as far as matchup-wise. This is going to be – uh, a, a real test for the Lakers, uh, but it's 
it's not as bad as us going up against the Clippers. So I think we, we did. We, we kind of lucked out here. Yet again, something else going the Lakers' way this season. Um, I do think the Clippers would have given us a tougher matchup. Now, who knows, right? Especially if the Clippers came in with a similar mentality, it might have been a whole other story. Um, but we cannot take this Denver team lightly as much as we might want to, as much as we might have expected the Clippers to handle business and that, and that was the team that we were going to face. Denver is on a roll right now. Murray is going to be very difficult for any of our defenders to stop. Uh, we don't have a Patrick Beverly. We do not have uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard on the defensive end. Uh, we're looking at, you know, I think we're going to start with Danny Green on him, who does a good job, but not, definitely not a Patrick Beverly or a Paul George as far as on-ball defense goes. I think he's good. Uh, but Jamal's definitely going to be able to get his shots off. And, uh, you know, as much as I like Anthony Davis in a matchup against Jokic, I don't think they're going to be keyed up against each other all that often. I think it's going to be Jokic going up against JaVale and Dwight. And I do think he's going to take advantage of that matchup as much as he can. Now, LeBron obviously is the big advantage that the Lakers have when, we, when you look at these two teams. Who the fuck are they going to put on LeBron, right? Is it Craig? Is it Harris? Is it, you know, Jeremy Grant? My guess is it's going to be some version of all of those guys um, and maybe even Paul Millsap, uh, you know, because Millsap is on the shorter side. But look, the Lakers should be favored in this series um, as much as Jokic and as much as uh, Murray can perform. Um, I, I, I really like the Lakers' chances to advance to the finals this year. This, this has played out pretty nicely for us. Um, the way that our, our bench is starting to come back is really crucial for us. Um, and I think that needs to continue for us to have success. Um, but I do think we, we, we should be heading to the finals in a matter of five or six games. Boston Lakers finals. What are we, what are we going with here? Cause that's going to be a great series. We saw game one. We'll, we'll wrap it up really quick. Game one from the Eastern conference finals was everything we expected it to be. Jimmy bucket shows up once again. Um, Unbelievable game. Unbelievable. He's been playing phenomenal throughout the whole playoffs. Jason Tatum, uh, Marcus Smart was huge in that game. I take Marcus Smart on my, my team any day of the week. He's perfect for that squad. Um, but everything we, we thought this would be is happening. And tonight's going to be game two. Um, who you got in this series, though? So this is, this is fun. This is a fun fucking series. I have no fucking – there's no idea. I think every game I, – I, I honestly think every game can go to overtime. It's going to be another repeat. Unfortunately for Boston, it's going to be kind of another repeat of that really intense series against Toronto. So if, if I do have to pick one team, it's going to be Miami because they're fresher. They only lost one game the entire playoffs thus far, including that game one. So they've had to play fewer games. They've had more rest. And I do think there's something to be said about the veteran leadership on Miami versus the lack of veteran leadership that we're seeing in Boston. They have some veterans, but their leadership is really young. Um, Kemba Walker, one of nine from three again. It's He's just so Dragic smoked Kemba in that first one. Twenty nine points for Dragic. Kemba still ended up with nineteen. Um, but in order for Boston to win, it's going to take better performances from Kemba because they are their scoring, especially, is only really coming from about four guys. Um, they, we do expect Hayward to come back in the series at some point, which will be a big lift uh, for them to enter another body into the rotation. Uh, another wing, 
Uh, but we don't expect Hayward to drop 30 points by any means. It's, it's going to be more along the lines of a facilitator and maybe a, de- you know, a decent defensive body. Um, I, I do want to mention before we're done, Bam Adebayo's block is the second greatest defensive play in playoff history. I was going to just say that, dude. Just going to say that. You know, the people that are forgetting about, like Magic Johnson, of course. He just he, he can't help himself. Magic, I don't know if he has Alzheimer's yet or maybe that's coming later. Uh, he tweeted immediately, it's the best defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. It's like, okay, dude, LeBron's chase down block against Iguodala is forever going to be the best defensive play. I mean, unless we have another game seven defensive play, mm. like winning defensive play, um, and then maybe it'll move to two. But this is, I would say, uh, a, a more difficult because Tatum had all the momentum running down court. Bam just pretty much was going off vert. And Save, just save the day. So Jimmy's performance on offense, especially with the three-point play and all that other stuff that he did, was tremendous. And it's exactly what you want out of your leader. Uh, but seeing both Jimmy perform on the offensive end and Bam perform on the defensive end, uh, it's hard for me to pick against Miami right now. Same. They're fun to watch. I can't wait for tonight's game. Um, I, I do feel like a load's off my shoulders right now. Like I don't, yeah. the, stre- the stress of, of the playoffs <laughs> has, been, has worn on me. Uh, it's been very difficult for myself. Uh, I'm sorry I had to go off the grid for a minute, but it was called for. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, sometimes, sometimes you got to do that. And, and Clipper Nation, we're going to be back, man. We'll be back next year. Do you want to take one last jab at the Clippers? Do you want to do that? Oh, man. Do I want to take one last jab? Oh, fuck. There's so many that are cop- popping into my head right now. Well, guess what? I'm cutting you short. They're never hold mind. on. Hold on. You, nope. You already had your shot, bro. Damn it. You already had your shot. I'm sorry. So, uh, Clips and Drew is going to keep killing it through these playoffs. We had to take a couple, just a couple day hiatus to deal with my mental health, my mental stress. Uh, but I'm back and we're back and we want you to keep screenshotting when you're listening to the show. Uh, follow us on Instagram at clips and drew at drew the right thing at clips five, five, five. Uh, we got t-shirts coming out here soon. I've been designing for the past week, got some cool stuff coming out. We're going to take them out with, the jam. You probably heard this during the NBA playoffs. Two chains, money in the way. This is a banger. Turn it up, bang it. It's a follow through with clips. And Drew. And Drew. Psychedelic flow, I'm the dope and the antidote. Laid down the street from the package store. What you know? Going back and forth, in and out, moving lateral. Tools like mechanics, taking women for collateral. Put her on the saddle with a paddle and an Adderall. Just trying to strain it out like Lattimore. Old time ass nigga, you are unemployed. I'm bomber gonna build it with the furniture. You still getting the hell done, I'm on the tummy tuck. Yeah, I'm two chains on them, double up. In the double R with a double cup. Yeah, double park at the W. I'm from the south side, gonna throw it up. Been around lane, niggas give me phobia. Every verse I do need a coroner. They say I'm heavy handed when I'm pouring up. But C level, I'm on G level. Long as she name, I'm on C name. Money in the way for what they got to say. I throw it up, it's falling down, it's definitely in the way. More than three niggas.
don't make mistakes, but he'll make a way I got a pinker ring, it cost my 80k You was led astray, I'm about to set the pace I think I'm booked up, but let me check the date Got my footsteps, yeah, anchor weights Caught a new skill, trying to calibrate Trying to add it up, I'm trying to allocate Rockin' reptile, talking alligator You can clap that, talking patty cake School of hard knocks, you ain't graduate Surround a bedroom Yellow tape and some chalk lines. They gon' investigate. But C level, I'm on G level. Long as she nigga, I'm on C nigga. Money in the way, but what they got to say? I throw it up, it's falling down, it's definitely in the way. More three niggas, talking big fists. Hunt the phone on, and she still takes the money in the way, but what they got to say? I throw it up.